0: All right, well, welcome, everybody. So glad that you are joining us online today, Skyline Church Online. My name is Jeff Nicoletti, lead pastor here, and just so glad that you're spending part of your your weekend here with us. Listen, if you are new, let us know that you're new here. We'd love to connect with you. There's a a little button that you can hit. Let us know that you're here, maybe joining us for the first time. We've actually got a little gift that we would love to send to you just for being here. Parents, don't forget, we've got uh, kids' worship experiences available for your children. Just hop over to skylinechurch.cc and click on the Sky Kids online. You'll find some worship experiences and resources there. I want to tell you, listen, mark your calendar. Be on the lookout this week. We are going to be laying out some information for the the reopening of our building on Sundays. We've got exciting information for you coming this week, so be on the lookout. We are moving forward in that direction, and we cannot wait to share that with you and share about how we're going to be back in our building together uh, soon. So just be following us on social media, check in, make sure that you check that out. All right, we're gonna jump in. Uh, This is part five of our movement series. So glad that you're here. Listen, get out something to write on and to write with, jot some things down. Basically what we've been doing is we have been camped out in the book of Acts and we're just kind of learning from the first century church, the early church, like the, the ground floor, the foundation, like it's the opening act of Jesus's church and and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to just let our, our ideas what it means to to follow Jesus what it means to be his church we're just trying to let that be challenged a little bit to be stretched and to be molded and and we're really just trying to let the first the very first church help us out with that so quick recap if you if you haven't really been a part of this series, Yet, we've seen Jesus kind of commission his disciples and tell them that they're gonna go into all the world. We've seen the Holy Spirit miraculously poured out on the disciples. Thousands of people get saved. We've seen Peter and John be used by Jesus to, to heal a man who was lame from birth. And again, see thousands more people put their faith in Jesus and join the church. And we've seen the apostles and the disciples being threatened to be, to be put in prison. And one thing has become a ab- abundantly clear uh, in this series as we've gotten going, and it's this, is that the church is meant to be a movement, uh, that, that we have a going faith, not simply a gathering faith. Uh, and so let's pick up part five. Uh, we're going to jump actually into chapter five of the book of Acts, and we're going to read about 13 verses. So tra- you know, stick with me, stay with me. We're going to read this story here. In Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 12, it says that the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. Now, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded uh, by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought their sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as they passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priests and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the door in the, of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they were told, and they began to teach the people. And when the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving there, the officers did not find them. And so they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the door. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss. Wondering what this might lead to. So turn to whoever you're with today, whoever you're sitting with, and tell them, we have to go back. Come on, say say it again. We have to go back. I, I mean, we're only five chapters into the book of Acts, and already this fledgling group of about 120 has now grown to several thousand. Uh, People are coming in droves to see what's taking place, and all of this is upsetting the religious structure of the day. And you'll remember from our our Fierce Jesus series that disrupting systems that hold people down is something that, that Jesus was great at because, listen to me, yes, Jesus came and he cares about your hurt, your pain, your addiction, your brokenness, your loneliness, your sickness, but I would say that he's even more concerned about upending the systems and cycles that are keeping you broken. And sometimes those systems are put in place by others, and sometimes those systems are put in place by ourselves. And so, not surprisingly, the the religious leaders feel pretty much the same way about the apostles and the church as they did about Jesus, and that they are first and foremost jealous because, listen, they loved power and position more than people. And now, all the people are no longer beholden to them anymore, And and so they do what anyone who in power does when they feel like it's slipping, they begin to intimidate uh, and they threaten, they threaten with violence, they threaten with imprisonment. And so here's what I want to do. I I just, I kind of want to go back through the story that we just read. And I just want to point out a couple of things that I think if if we could, if we allowed them to influence us and transform us, because listen, that's the objective, right? Uh, the goal here isn't just for you to hear something nice and entertaining, but it's to actually allow the, the Holy Spirit to transform us by the renewing of our minds. So let's get a little bit of renewal today. Come on, throw your hand up right now if you could use a little bit of renewal in your life. I can't see you, but I know I know your hand's up. So let, let's just kind of go back through this right now. We're going to pick back up Acts chapter 5, verse 12, and we're just going to kind of read it and, and and pull some stuff out of it. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. number. Really quickly, I think it's important that we point out that there's two things happening pretty much simultaneously here. First, it says that more and more men and women believed in Jesus. That 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 they were that they believed in the Lord. And at the in the same breath, in the same thought, in the in the same exact sentence, we see that not only did they believe in Jesus, put their faith in Jesus, but they are now added to the church. Those two things are happening side by side. You see the, the New Testament knows nothing of a believer who is not connected to a local church. So they, they put their faith in Jesus and they immediately get connected to the movement of his kingdom. And it's unfortunate because we, we live in a day and a time where many of us, we, we want to put our faith in Jesus, but then we feel no obligation or desire or passion to join a local church, to, to join the movement of Jesus' kingdom. Too many of us want to do it alone. But you were never intended to do it that way. You need to be part of a body. I'll say it this way. If, if you want to go fast, go by yourself. But if you want to go far, go with others. So like you may get where you're going pretty quickly when you do it on your own. But if you want to have a bigger impact, if you want to have a greater impact, listen, you got to go with other people. And so it says that lots of people are putting their faith in Jesus and then they're, they're joining the church, they're joining the movement. Verse 15, it says, as a result, people, because of all of this, people brought the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and mats, so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered from all the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. There was something about the early church Uh, There there was something about that that gathering, that people, there was something about the fact that they had spent time with Jesus. Remember, we talked about that in in Acts chapter 4. The religious leaders thought that these men were fools, and they were unlearned, and they were uneducated, but they took note of the fact that they had spent time with Jesus. And so there's something about the early church that made people want to bring their sick, their broken, their hurt to them for healing. And it made me wonder, why don't people do that now? Like, why, why isn't the, the first thoughts that people have when they get hurt or sick or broken or crushed, depressed, you received a diagnosis. Why isn't one of the first thoughts, let me get around the church. Let, let, let me position myself to be with Jesus' people and here's the thing, I think that if, if we as the church would be recognized for more than anything else, just as being a people, as being men, as being women who have spent time with Jesus, instead of trying to be all the other things that we're trying to be, if we would just be known as, as spending time, people would say, hey, I don't know much about you, I don't know if I believe everything that you believe, but I can tell that you've spent some time with Jesus. And then I also began to wonder how many of us believe in the healing that we read in scripture, but we don't believe it for ourselves. Like, Oh, I, I believe that, that Jesus is who he said he is, and I believe he laid down his life. I believe that he defeated the grave and was resurrected. I believe that he healed people. I even believe that Jesus and the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles to heal people. I believe God did all of those things. I believe he can, but I really don't believe he will for me. And listen, somebody today, under the sound of my voice, needs to start not just believing that he can, but believing that he will. Not that he'll just do it for others, but that he'll do it for you. And you got to keep on pressing, keep on fighting, keep on believing, knowing that you serve the God of abundantly more knowing that it's it's your movement that will set your miracle in motion. And if you'll start declaring with your voice, Jesus taught us that, hey, you don't just look at the mountain and believe it's going to jump into the sea. You got to open your mouth and command that mountain to move. Don't just believe it. You got to speak it. Come on right now. Somebody has got to start believing, not just that Jesus can, but that he will. You got to start declaring with your mouth. You got to tell that mountain that it's got to move. You got to tell your marriage that it's not going to die. Sometimes it's the speaking. Maybe you don't actually really believe that the mountain will get up and move, but you're going to speak it anyway. You're going to declare it anyway. You're going to tell depression, hey, you've got to move on. You're going to tell that addiction no more. You got to declare to it that Jesus is greater than the fear that's gripping you. But you you got you to tell that sickness to move on. You got to tell, listen, some of y'all Some of y'all are countering your own faith with the words that you speak. You you believe it here, but then the words that you let come out of your mouth are actually impacting negatively the faith. Why? Because you won't speak in faith that you're going to see it happen. That's why scripture says your words have the power of life and death in them. Jesus said, listen, you got to tell that mountain that it's going to move. Listen, I, I hope it's okay with you all that we're just kind of walking through scripture. Is that all right that we're that we're doing this? Let's keep going. Verse 17. So all these people are getting healed. People are, are all throughout the city, people throughout the surrounding towns are coming, and the apostles are healing them. Verse 17. The high priest, all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees, they're filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public, public. Jail. So previously, which, which, we've, which we've talked about earlier, the religious leaders had simply threatened them with prison. Prison. They, they were like, "Shut this whole thing down. Stop what you're doing. We're coming after you." Uh, again, they thought that threatening them would stop the apostles, and so now it's only getting bigger. Uh, the, 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 the threatening them didn't stop it. Now there's more and more people coming and putting their faith in Jesus. More and more people getting healed. <clears throat> More and more people finding freedom in Jesus' name. Come on, the gospel is is going out. And you'd better believe that if you're up to something good, you'd better believe that if you're pushing Jesus' kingdom forward and you're seeing life change happen, seeing people be set free from addictions and set free from systems holding them down, you're going to run into some opposition. Like the enemy is not just going to let the church run around unchecked. And and we've said it before in this series, and it it bears repeating. If all of hell is not threatened by what we are doing, we're not doing it right. Like, if, if the enemy is just letting us run around unchecked, not tested, no hardships, no difficulty, it's probably because he doesn't have anything to fear. And so perhaps the reason that, that the enemy isn't attacking or, or persecuting a lot of churches or people is because we aren't much of a threat. We're not thinking about kicking down the gates of hell that he's tried to set up in our city. Like, we like our Sunday gathering. We like singing together. We like our, and listen, all these things are good. I'm not knocking these things. I, I believe wholeheartedly in gathering and worshiping and singing and sitting under the teach, like, like our small groups, and we like our occasional outreaches. Why? Because they're safe and they make us feel good. But listen to me, until the gospel becomes fire shut up in my bones, like the prophet Jeremiah said, who said, hey, even when I don't feel like declaring your name, even when I don't feel like declaring your word, he said, God, your name, your word is like fire in my heart. It's fire that shut up in my bones and I can't help but speak it. And until it becomes fire inside of us and we We desperately seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered and emboldened and equipped to go kick down some doors and to see lives transformed, strongholds broken, addictions broken, people restored. Listen, we're probably not going to face face much pushback. And I pray that right now the the Holy Spirit himself will begin to stir a fire inside of your heart, that the gospel itself will be a fire shut up in your bones, causing you to be uh, willing to be uncomfortable if that means prison doors will open up and chains fall off and addictions are broken and marriages and lives restored. Come on, if the church would be full of men and women and I don't care who you are, If, if we would be a people full of fire in our bones, Oh, the enemy better get out of the way. He better move because you ain't going to stop the church. Let's keep moving. Verse 19. It says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. And I love this. The angel comes and sets them free from prison, not so that they can escape and leave town And evade further problems. (laughs) The Lord sets them free so they can go right back to what they were doing. The angel's like, hey, you you gotta get right back out there. Come on, we said it earlier, say it again, like, we gotta go back. we're, We're not leaving, we gotta go back to what we're doing. I'm not setting you free so that you can flee or find a less public place to meet and preach, you gotta go get back right in the middle of it. Like, go back to the temple. Go back to the place where you'll be around the most people, where you can have the greatest influence, the greatest impact. It's not meant for the church to go to the corners if we have an opportunity to preach to more people. He says, listen, go and tell everybody about this new life. I love it. He said, this new life. And can I just can I just pause here for a second and say that I think most of us would like, or or maybe we've been taught um, our, most of our lives, uh, what, what what we've grown up with is this idea of rather than saying this new life, what we'd prefer to say is like, just go tell people about this updated life. that that somehow when we when we pray and put our faith in Jesus, or ask Jesus into our hearts, or whatever it was that you were, were given or taught, it's like, it, it's as though you're updating to the newest operating system on your phone. That, that when I accept Jesus, I, I've added a couple of new features and new apps to what I currently have, and I'm becoming a better version of myself. Can I just tell you that you do not need to become a better version of yourself? The, the, the language that scripture uses is more like this. Hey, lay down your life. You, you need to die to yourself. It, it talks about submitting to, to Jesus' authority, making him more. That's why in 2 Corinthians it says, hey, when you are in him, you are a new creation. I love the way C.S. Lewis, say, C.S. Lewis says it. Fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature who needs improvement. He is a rebel who must lay down his arms. And by the way, the the greatest life that you will ever live for the kingdom of Jesus is one where you haven't just updated, but it's one where you are made new. You'll have a much more powerful testimony to share with people. So the angel gets them out, frees them from prison. They're, they're, they're back preaching. Pick up in verse 22. And so, so now they're, the, 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 the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders, are going to get the, the apostles to talk to him. Verse 22 says, on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them, so they went back and reported, hey, we found the jail securely locked. The, the guards are standing at the door, but when we opened them, no one, no one was inside. And on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Can I just tell you, there is no prison so dark or so strong that Jesus cannot both show up with you in the midst of it and break you free from it? That there is no stronghold, there is nothing keeping you in bondage, there's nothing keeping you in prison, keeping you in chains, that Jesus cannot both meet you right in the middle of and set you free from. There's no sickness, no disease, no addiction, no brokenness, no loneliness that Jesus cannot enter and break you out of. And so now they don't know what to do. Because like, we, we, we thought we locked these jokers up. And so now they're now they're kind of worried. Uh, and so they 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 find out that they're out preaching again. And and now what they're doing is, 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 the, is they bring them back in. Verse 27. We didn't read this earlier, so we're gonna kind of pick up the rest of this story here. Acts chapter 5, verse verse 27 says the apostles were br- were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And they said, we gave you strict orders not to teach in in this name. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. And so, so they bring them back in, the religious leaders, they want them to stand accountable for what they've done. And again, the religious leaders are furious. They're like, hey, Not only did we not give you permission to teach, we specifically told you not to continue to do, don't preach the name of Jesus, and now they're mad because the apostles are are recalling the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus to people and and stating in there that that it was the religious leaders who sentenced Jesus, that Jesus' blood was on them, and the religious leaders aren't having any of it. Like, don't, don't accuse us. Yet, these are the same people, the same group, the same religious zealots who, when presented at Passover, not too long before this, that, that it was custom for them to have a prisoner return to them, and they were given the option. Pilate gave them the option, said, hey, do you want Jesus, or do you want Barabbas? And Barabbas was this man whose scripture tells us led an insurrection and was in prison for murder, and they chose Barabbas over Jesus. And so in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 27, we read that the religious leaders, this same group of people, were so insistent that Jesus be killed, Pilate says, I don't want any of this, but my hands are free, innocent of this man's blood. And it's the same group of people who shouted, Pilate, let his blood be on us and on our children. Because when they thought that killing Jesus would put an end to his movement, They were more than happy to have his blood on their hands. But upon discovering that that killing Jesus didn't stop the movement or even slow it down, but instead had accelerated his movement, you see, they they thought that they were burying Jesus and setting back his movement. They they didn't bury Jesus, they positioned him. Uh, And they didn't set back his movement, they set it up. They, they, they positioned Jesus to demonstrate his power over sin, over death, and over the grave. And they didn't, they didn't set back his disciples. They didn't set back his movement. Instead, they set it up and they empowered them. Sometimes the very thing that you view as a setback is actually a setup sometimes when when you see it as a setback, instead you can see that it's positioning you to demonstrate God's power and His strength You thought it was death. No, 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 no. It's actually an opportunity for resurrection. You thought it was sickness. No, it's actually an opportunity for healing. You thought it was bankruptcy. It's not. It's an opportunity to to trust in the provider and not the provision. You thought it was a lost job, but it's not. It's an opportunity for you to pursue the dream that was planted in your heart. And when you realize that what you think is a setback is actually a set up, you can respond the same way the disciples do. Verse 29, it says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. I love this. Repentance and forgiveness. Those two things go together. Wherever there is repentance, forgiveness is given. And this was one of the primary callings and missions of Jesus, was to lead us to repentance and to bring forgiveness. You know, I've talked to countless people who tell me, I've been doing this Jesus thing, I've been doing the church thing, I've been trying, and I don't really feel any different. I don't really feel like I've been forgiven, and one of my first questions I always have for them is this, have you actually repented? Like, have, have you actually, because all that word means is that you were walking in one direction, and you turn. And you walk in the opposite. Have you actually repented? Because if you haven't actually repented, if, if if you said a prayer, now don't mishear me, one simple prayer can and does change all of eternity. And and when you when your prayer is sincere and you're asking Jesus to forgive you, but listen to me, it is in repentance. It's in repentance that the power and dominion of sin begins to be broken in our lives. So many of us are walking around praying prayers of forgiveness, but we've not actually repented of anything. And we we wonder why we lack power, and why we lack faith, and why we lack strength because there are just some some real practical things that we didn't do. We We never actually turned. Like, we, we prayed and asked Jesus to forgive the infidelity, but I keep texting that same person. Or we keep asking Jesus to forgive me for the substance abuse, but I keep going to the bar. Or I keep getting that prescription. I keep logging onto the computer late at night. I need to actually turn around and repent because with repentance comes forgiveness. And so the leaders don't know what to do. They're at a loss. They don't know what to do with Peter and John. So they get a man named Gamaliel, who actually the apostle Paul studied under. And they consult him like, hey, what, what should we do here? How, how should we handle this? We Pick up in, in verse 35, it says, then he addressed the St. men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Because some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody. And about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all of his followers were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the sentence and he led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all of his followers were scattered. It's like, hey, we, this has been tried before. Two other men tried to do something like this, but when they were killed, all their followers were scattered. <laughs> so now compare it to what's going on. You've, you've slain Jesus, the ringleader of this whole faction. You've gotten rid of him. Now if he was an imposter, if he was a pretender, his death, like that of Thaddeus, his death would have caused all the dispersion of his followers. He says, therefore in this present case I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Do whatever you want. But if if this is just some man-made stuff it'll just die off. If it's, if it's just them, if, if they've just made it up, but be careful. Careful that you don't actually find yourself fighting against God. Don't you realize, church, that when the enemy comes against you, he's coming against your God? That when he comes against you, he's attacking. Stop thinking that it's just you and that you don't have what it takes. You're God's chosen. You're his son. You're his daughter. You're his beloved. And you think that when the enemy comes after you, that your heavenly father is not going to stand and defend you and fight for you and stand beside you. That's why the apostle Paul declared that if God is for me, Who could possibly, you're not just coming against me, you're coming against my God. And I serve a God with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, a God who calls dead things back to life, who speaks things into being, who calms storms, who causes the blind to be able to see. It might not go exactly as you think. It doesn't mean that there won't be hardship It doesn't mean that there won't be difficulties. It doesn't mean you won't experience some loss along the way, but listen to me. That's become part of the problem for us as the church. We've become short-sighted. We see hurt. We experience pain. We experience loss. And it's enough in the moment to convince us that Jesus has left us. It's enough to convince us that I won't be able to make it or that it's too much. But listen to me, we are called to be long-sided. We are called to keep eternity in mind. Like, yeah, I got struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I got pressed. I'm not crushed I got persecuted but I'm not destroyed there may be weeping right now but in the morning I'm gonna have some joy so whatever you've got enemy go ahead and bring it because I've got the God Almighty standing beside me and it might not look like victory now but I know that victory is coming it might not look like healing right now But I know that healing is coming. It might not look like freedom right now, but I know that freedom is coming. Last couple of verses, Acts chapter 5. So it says His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and flogged them. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. They're there again, intimidating, punishing, threatening. It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. <laughs> rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Read that again. The apostles rejoiced at getting flogged. And in case you're unaware, flogging isn't just some slap on the wrist. It's brutal. 39 lashes intended to literally tear the skin off of your body, but they rejoiced. How in the world do you walk out of a beating rejoicing? I can tell you why. Because they were (laughs) farsighted. Most of us, I venture to say, would never face flogging for declaring faith in Jesus. But there will be some other hardships that we walk, trials that we face, persecutions that we endure. But there is something that the apostles understood that I think we have forgotten, and it's this. It's that our trials are actually meant to embolden and enable us. And while the enemy thinks that it's something that will scatter us and deter us, it's actually meant to be fuel on the fire. It's intended to cause us to burn a little bit brighter, hotter than we were before, to cause the fire that's been shut up in my bones come bursting forth that trial that hurt that pain and if I can be eternally minded it can create a boldness in me that I didn't have before we'll end with this that's why James wrote this in his epistle James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way Consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Some of us have got to stop living so short-sighted and say, hey, this was hard, this was difficult. I faced a trial. Jesus must not be with me. He must have given up. It's too hard. It's too much. But don't you forget that when the enemy comes after you, God Almighty stands with you, and that trial is meant to embolden you and empower you and refine you and make you stronger than you ever were before. And it's in that moment... It's in that moment that you can be beaten and rejoice. It's in that moment you can suffer loss and rejoice. Come on, right now, every head bowed, every heart, heart open. Wherever you are right now, stand up. In your house, in your home, wherever you are, stand. Get on your feet. I want to honor this moment. Every head bowed, every heart open. I want to give us an opportunity to. respond. Let the Holy Spirit do some work in us. Because here's what I know. There are some of us under the sound of my voice today, you've never actually repented. You've done church. You've, you've, You've said Jesus. But you've been walking in one way, in an addiction in a brokenness, in a relationship, and you're praying and you're praying and you're praying, and you've never turned. But listen to me. When you repent, (laughs) there's forgiveness, and there's healing. So I want to invite you right now. If today, say pastor I've never really repented before Uh, I've never really I've never really changed the course the direction of my life I've never really surrendered my life to Jesus and today I want to do that I want to give you an opportunity right now in this moment to give your heart give your life to do what scripture says to become a new creation so here's what I want us to do for the sake of everybody who's gonna pray this prayer, maybe for the very first time. I want every single person right now under the sound of my voice to pray this prayer alongside them, to cover them, to be there with them. But listen to me, if you'll pray this with sincerity, scripture says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So everybody, no matter where you are, pray this prayer with me say Lord Jesus today I repent today I turn today I walk away from the life that I've been living and I turn and I give my life my heart my all to you now listen to me if you prayed that prayer with sincerity All of heaven right now is rejoicing, arms wide open, declaring, welcome home, that you're a brand new creation. Come on, wherever you are, begin to lift up a shout of praise for every person being made new right now in this moment. Come on, Jesus is restoring people back to life. Jesus, you were there. Amen, amen. Listen, all of heaven is rejoicing in this moment. And I wanna tell you the same thing that your heavenly Father stands and tells you right now, welcome home. Scripture says that you are a brand new creation. Now listen, one one of the best things that you could do is be inspired, be moved, and then take a step in that direction. So I wanna encourage you right now, if you prayed that prayer, if you repented, if you, you turned, I just want you to let us know there's a little button that you can click and say, hey, that's me. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to walk alongside you in this journey of faith. Listen, take that step. Don't let don't let a, what's gonna happen or what are they gonna say or what if no no no. Just say hey that's me. Start a new life. Listen, you get to do the same thing that the angel told the apostles. You get back out there and you tell all these people all about this new life and watch and see what happens. Watch and see the lives that are transformed when you do that. All right, we're gonna. We're going to close our time the same way that we do every single week with an opportunity to give our tithes and our offerings. Now listen, if you're new with us, we don't want anything from you. In fact, we really just hope that this online experience has been our gift to you. But if you call Skyline Church your home, all we ever ask is that you ask Jesus what you should give and then just be obedient. Because we know that on the other side of obedience, there's blessing for you and for your family and church, listen, continue to be faithful, consistent, and generous in this season so that God's house can continue to be faithful and generous and consistent in meeting needs, providing for people, buying food, providing clothing, doing all the things that we're able to do. We're only able to do that, church, when you're generous, when you're generous, God's house can be generous. So come on, let's go love our city. Let's bless our city. There's two really easy ways you can give. You can give online through our app. We can give right from your smartphone. You can text the amount you want to give to 84321. And then just follow the prompts from there. Now, I just want to speak a blessing over you as we close today. So wherever you are, just stick your hands up. Receive this. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that every person under the sound of my voice, Jesus, that your very presence would go before them. Your very presence would surround them. Holy Spirit, that you would fill and empower and equip and embolden your people. And that Heavenly Father, you would cause your good face to shine upon us and give us peace And give us rest until we gather together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, Church, don't forget, be on the lookout this week. we got some big, exciting news. We're going to be rolling out to you about reopening our building, what that's going to look like. We can't wait to see you and connect with you. We love you. We miss you. Have a great week, everybody.